Welcome back to Crosswalk.com's Inside the Editor's Room podcast, where we give you a look at how our editorial team tackles the trends and issues of the day from a Christian perspective. I'm Kelly Givens, and I'm the senior editor here at Crosswalk, and I'm joined today by Rachel Dawson, our design editor. We are without Steve and Sean today. They are both enjoying some much-needed vacation time, but Rachel and I are super excited to dive into our topics. We're going to first talk about hospitality and what that looks like in our busy lives, and then we're going to talk about women's ministry and our experiences in the church. And of course, we'll cover our favorite segment, Check This Out. So earlier this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with blogger and speaker Kristen Schell. She has a new book out called The Turquoise Table. So to give you a little bit of background about Kristen before we dive into my interview with her, you need to know that Kristen has a huge heart for hospitality and community, um, but she was struggling in her suburban neighborhood, like I think many of us do, to connect with her neighbors. And then one day she had some picnic tables delivered to her house for a cookout, um, but the delivery guys were unloading them um, on her front yard, and they just kind of sat them down there, presumably just to kind of see where she actually wanted them mm-hmm. placed. And when she came out of her house and saw them there, she had this huge aha moment, like, this is it. This is how God wants me to start reaching out to my neighbors by sitting on this picnic table in my front yard and start noticing them when they're out and about in their street, walking their dogs or, you know, coming home from work. And so it has led to this big movement um, Um, Not only in her city, Austin, Texas, but it's kind of started to trickle out nationwide. She's calling it the Front Yard People Movement. Um, And she's encouraging others to join her in this kind of open living, open life um, sort of hospitality where we're doing more than just entertainment, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit in our segment um, that we're going to go ahead and listen to now. So let's listen in. have just loved reading through this book. First of all, so beautiful. I just love the pictures and the fonts and just the recipes. I thought, oh, just good job on your publisher's part too. It's such a beautiful book. Um, it's a treat to read it. Um, for me, when I was reading it, it was really a light bulb moment of the difference between hospitality and entertaining. And I think, you know, it's another way of saying a front yard person versus a backyard person. Um, we think about entertaining in this, like, it's a, there's so much pressure, but you've really found this sweet spot of hospitality. So talk to us a little bit about the difference that you've seen in hospitality and entertaining and how that's played out as you've sat in your front yard um, on your turquoise picnic table. Well, and that, that's, this is one of, one of the many lessons that God has taught me. The, the most simple difference, you know, is is that entertaining is something we do, and hospitality is really who we are. It becomes a way of life. The Greek root for hospitality means loving strangers. And so, you know, when we think about loving others and, you know, loving God and then loving others, that's the root of hospitality. I loved your sentence in the book where you say, hospitality always feels small when you hold it in your hands. And I'd love for you to unpack that a little. You know, I think in our immediate gratification culture, we are, we often frustrate our own selves, I think. And I think part of it is that we do the entertaining thing and we try really hard and we put in so much effort that we're kind of exhausting ourselves on the front end before we even have anyone in our home. But then we do get people into our homes and we, we walk away and think, okay, well, they're not my good friend. Like, what did I do wrong? And you've really tried to, rewrite the story of that a little bit. So unpack that for me about, you know, just about the time that it takes to build community. 
Well, and you know, the, you know, the quote is that hospitality feels small, and I think that is really sort of you know the upside downness <laughs> of kingdom work. Really, you know, entertainment is big, you know, and hospitality feels small because it's so simple. You know, you said the instant gratification and that, you know, we, we try so hard. And I think those are all traps that we fall into, and, or I certainly, you know, fall into. And, and keeping it small, where I wonder, you know, and at times have wondered, does it matter? Does it matter, you know, spending 15 minutes every day, every other day, you know, at a table with nothing more than a journal and maybe a cup of water. Well, yes, it matters because those are when the small, spontaneous moments um, of meeting, you know, neighbors happened. And I think that, you know, we have to have the long view when we think of something like the turquoise table. Yes, there are, you know, fabulous, you know, sort of gatherings that happen. And, you know, we, it is being used all across the country with lemonade stands and, and, and front yard picnics and, and coffees and get-togethers. But really, when you take the long view, it's all these, these miniature tiny moments um, that I believe please the Lord. For example, does it matter you know, just sitting there and being present. I believe the ministry of presence is huge. And we have a neighbor, her name is Elizabeth, and she walks her dog. She's in her mid-80s. She walks her dog every single day, three times a day. And she and Clyde are out there. And so, in fact, I saw them walking this morning. And and so whether I'm at the table or now just at my kitchen window, I can see it. I began to notice. Hmm, Elizabeth is walking her dog. Elizabeth is walking her dog. And over time, sitting out there, we would visit. We would, you know, slowly learn bits and pieces of each other's lives. Well, after four years, that really adds up. So much so that I now know, um, you know, well, I, I have the numbers to her children's cell phones. I know how to get into her backyard, you know, into her house if she ever needed help. Um, and she did one night, you know, she needed help in the middle of the night. And I noticed, and I, and, and we were there. Now this is not making me the hero of the story. This is just saying that these tiny moments, these small moments add up because you establish a presence um, in your neighborhood that matters to the people around you. Okay, Rachel, I think we're both listening to this and as introverts and as people that this doesn't quite come as naturally to, we're, I think we're both <laughs> sitting here like, yes, this is a really good idea and really hard to do. Yeah. So how has this played out in your life when you think about hospitality? Is it something that you enjoy? Is it something that you um, kind of have to push yourself into? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's not my natural tendency um, mm-hmm. just because I'm not by nature, a super social person, mm-hmm. um, where most evenings I prefer kind of just do my own thing. And, um, the weekends I'm usually, you know, busy and running errands and it's kind of a harder thing for me to intentionally <laughs> set aside time to be with people. Um, especially to invite people over into my space too, which I kind of 
protect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of things recently that I have found, we have a front porch on our apartment now and we're right on a main street in the middle of our city. And so lots of people are walking by and we have a table and chairs out there that were left by the people that lived mm-hmm. before us. And I really honestly wanted to get rid of them and would prefer to just have like more potted plants out there and have some Adirondack chairs or something. But there's this table and there's four chairs around it. And um, it has become the place where we always are on the weekends. And we'll come home from work and one of either my roommate or I or neighbors will just be sitting out there. And um, it's kind of become like a Friday night thing that we know we're just sitting out on the front porch and we've seen many friends pass by. I've seen some coworkers of ours here walk by to go to a nearby restaurant or something. And they've stopped for a conversation and it has become like, I'm sure her turquoise table has too, just this kind of accidental gathering space that I didn't expect to really care about or really love so much, but it's been a really fun thing. And I've, I think I've learned a lot just from that, how simple it is that I love entertaining and I do love like creating like a themed party or having, um, you know, a whole menu planned for a dinner party or something like that. But like we've talked about the difference between entertaining and hospitality. It's that hospitality, the more casual, the more just kind of personal um, side of things that is more challenging. And I realize it's as simple as just having that table and chairs out there um, and just being willing to sit there and kind of be present and say hi to the people that walk by and um, we've, like she said, seen people walking their dogs and you start to recognize neighbors. There's a man that always walks by with a parrot on his shoulder and it always makes us laugh. And just the <laughs> things you notice when you kind of make yourself available to the people around you has been kind of an unexpected, um, sweet gift. So mm. what about you? Is it something that, um, you find is a struggle or not? Yeah, totally. I definitely think it does. I think that it's funny how so there's sides of entertainment that, like you said, are fun and ho- mm-hmm. and then there's sides that are hard and the same for hospitality. So I think that for entertainment, like I enjoy that too, but I think that it focuses all my efforts on the doing yes. instead of the yeah. being. And Absolutely. so that's like the hard part. Uh-huh. And then so to flip that around and say, I am not going to um, make like the food presentation or like the home presentation, the center thing, like it's going to be like me Mm -hmm. and the other person like that is a little more stressful in a way because it it means you are like putting yourself out there and opening yourself up Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and to be present. Um, But the great thing about that side of things is it's so much less stress on the end of like financially and stress to make yourself like look perfect and your home look perfect. And there's just something so simple and freeing about just getting out in your front yard and like trying to see the people Mm -hmm. that are also out around you. Um, And that's where I've kind of tried to find myself in our, we we just moved and we're on this little cul-de-sac that um, is so sweet and so dear. And there's already um, many families in the, on the street that are connected and plugged Mm -hmm. in. So it feels like we've kind of landed in like a really sweet little street where people care about one another. Um, And for me, it's challenged me to take a second and, you know, when I get out of the car after a day of work to see are there other people getting Mm -hmm. home at the same time that I could just run over and say hi, you know, can I um, walk over to my neighbor's house with a plate of cookies, you Mm -hmm. know, like little things that I think that we take for granted, but those little things, those little moments of being present and showing up over time, like build relationship. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I love deep connection. I love deep relationship, but I think we've talked about 
and other podcast episodes how it's getting to that place mm-hmm. that's the hard part of it's those awkward, you know, kind of encounters with people. Yeah. It's those like little small talk moments, but over time those do build um, into good fellowship. So what moments of hospitality have stood out to you over the years? Like when you think about mm-hmm. um, moments in your life where you just left a place just feeling like a deep sense of like, Um, being known and knowing other people, like what has that looked like for you? Yeah, it's actually funny. One of um, a friend from church, we've talked about her on the podcast before, and she's written for some of our sites, um, Kara Joyner. I Mm -hmm. love to sing her praises, but Mm -hmm. she for a while hosted a dinner group with just a bunch of different people from our church. And a lot of them were couples, which I was not part of, but it was, um, ended up being this group that was really a lot of just people that were really interesting and really artistic and just had these um, great hearts just for being together. And she had this in her club. It was really casual. Um, It was usually like once or twice a month. So it wasn't like every single week or anything with a huge commitment. And there's usually some kind of a loose theme to whatever the dinner was going to be. Everybody brought something and just replied to the email with what they were bringing. And it was always a hodgepodge of people bringing different kinds of chairs and sitting on the floor and kids running around and somebody holding somebody else's baby. And um, just kind of opening bottles of wine and sharing food and people, I mean, I have food allergies. So coming to those things is sometimes a point of tension and people were always willing to adapt to whatever people were needing to eat or not needing to eat. And it was one of the things that looking back, I have such treasured memories just from those times around living rooms and kitchen tables and, um, just being together with these people that were in slightly different stages of life, but we all had this, I guess just kind of common interest um, in gathering and being together and really just sharing our lives and our hearts with each other. And um, I loved it thinking back on it. It was never fancy and it was nothing that ever, you know, cost anybody that much money. And um, it wasn't anything that had a ton of planning or a lot of stress to it. It was really just a few hours every other week um, being together, but it has made such an impact on my life. And I think often about how I can start to implement some more of that. I think often as somebody that isn't married, I think I kind of, count myself out of some of those things like, oh, I shouldn't be the one to host. I don't have a big enough house or my dining room table only has a couple chairs around it. It's not room for that many people. And um, would it be awkward if I invited like people that were couples over and I, you know, just things like that. I think often I use as an excuse to not be hospitable in that way. But remembering how sweet those times together were, makes me want to do some more of that. Um, and it doesn't have to be hard. I think about times where friends have hosted just a Super Bowl party or we've watched The Bachelorette together on Monday nights and it was always just we had popcorn and that was just like what we did. And it was, you know, a $2 bag of popcorn or whatever. And we just watched the show together. And I don't think it needs to be as hard as I think I make it. Um, so I'm being encouraged by this conversation, especially to try to do some more of that and just um, extend those invitations to people that I know would be glad to receive it like I was to that dinner group. What about you? Yeah. So the very first thing I was thinking about, um, which is kind of it's childhood and it's going to your friend's house after school and you Mm. just pick up the phone and you just say, what are you doing? And you say (laughs) nothing. Can I come over? And there's no tidying up the room. There was no like getting food ready. There was no Mm -hmm. like a trip to the store to make it perfect. Like you just came over and you watched TV. And my friend and I, we ate like big sourdough pretzels and lemonade. Like that was our thing. And we watched Dawson's Mm -hmm. Creek and it was like, (laughs) this is what we did. Um, But it was this idea of just of just spontaneity to be able to like run over somewhere, mm-hmm. even if it's just for half an hour until dinner time and hang out. And that, I miss that. I think that yeah. we, and I think it might be a little bit of the Christian culture too, of feeling like you have to, um, 
like every moment with community has to be like fellowship and it has to be like Mm -hmm. this purposeful, intentional, like we're coming together for a reason type of thing to get people into the room together. And I just miss the like purposeless, like let's just hang out because we like each other and because we don't want to be sitting in our own homes alone watching TV, like let's watch TV together. So I kind of just thought of that and how I want that in my own life too. And it's hard, you know, I'm, I have a young son and so life revolves around our nap time schedule really (laughs) right now. And dinner times are early. And then once he's in bed, we're just stranded at our house. So like, what does it Mm -hmm. look like to just, you know, call a friend and be like, just come over for like five minutes. And that's hard too, because we're all spread out over Richmond and, so I think for me, it's been um, another reminder of trying to get to know the people who are proximately, like just like mm-hmm. close to me um, geographically, because then those are the people that yeah. do have the opportunity to just run over for a few minutes. So I was listening to um, a That Sounds Fun podcast that mm-hmm. Annie F. Downs hosts, and she was talking to Liz Bohannon. I remember it was really cool what she was talking about. She lives in this area near Portland, Oregon, and they bought this huge plot of land with a bunch of different couples, and they all built kind of smaller houses on this one piece of land. And they were joking, like, oh, it's the commune, haha, whatever. But she was talking a lot about the, that exact idea of, like, you have to be that close to people to have true community like that, where mm-hmm. you can have the person just walking by with coming home from the grocery store and, hey, we just picked up this gallon of ice cream. Want to come over and, you know, have mm-hmm. some with us? Or being able to see those immediate needs because the people are right there. And um, I love that conversation, and we can link to that in show notes. But it was a really cool picture mm-hmm. of just how being close makes it so much easier. And I think there are challenges when you don't live in close proximity to mm-hmm. others because you don't know and you don't see the same way that you do when – like where I live, I see my friends walk by and mm-hmm. it's really easy to just, oh, you're on a run, stop on our front porch and chat with us for a little bit and then, you know, carry on your way. But I've seen you now and we had this really easy way to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a really fascinating conversation. It made me think a lot about how can I mm-hmm. really reach out to people that are right around me mm-hmm. um, and how can I try to make a big world feel a little smaller with the immediate people close mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, totally. I heard a long time ago and we put this into practice moving into our new house um we had someone tell us to pick your neighbors before you pick your neighborhood Mm -hmm. and the we actually have really good friends that live right across from us now and we had been eyeing their street like we (laughs) when we would go over to hang out with them we're like we love this street we love the community that's here and so a house opened up right across from them and we kind of like took the plunge for it and it's been (laughs) so wonderful it has been one of those like you know, I'll see them outside with their kids, and I'll be like, oh, Jimmy and Megan are out. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I live right across from them. Like, this is <laughs> right. I'm going to see them now. And it yeah. has been, like, they'll just run over real quick with the baby monitor and hang it up on our front door, and then they'll stand and talk in the entryway yeah. for a few minutes before they have to run home. And it's been so sweet. It's been a nice picture for me, a little mm-hmm. taste of what community can be like. But I definitely agree that, you know, in all relationships and community relationships included, that um, quantity time is a a measure. Like you can't have quality time without quantity time. So the more time you can just spend, and it's in those little moments, like we said, that eventually build into um, sweet friendship. But it definitely means doing what Kristen is doing and putting yourself out there and being intentional. And it's not always easy, but I think that it is definitely worth the effort. Okay, so for our second topic of the podcast, we wanted to dive into a little bit about women in church and women's ministry and some of our experiences with that. 
Um, Kelly, you found a great article by Hannah Anderson that I loved reading through where she talks a lot about kind of just the mission um, of the church and of the Great Commission. And she used the um, recent movie, which also was a book, um, Hidden Figures, as kind of her, I guess, like the narrative she used to kind of tell the story. And if you aren't familiar with Hidden Figures, it's about... um, During the time of segregation in the U.S., a few black women who um, ended up working at NASA and becoming kind of these crucial players in the game of getting um, our astronauts into space and um, just the crucial role that they played in that that, you know, was kind of groundbreaking at the time. And I think... Um, for where we're at in the church and our kind of culture today, there's still some places where it feels a little groundbreaking and a little um, like new territory to figure out where women's roles kind of are in the church and how we play in those things. Um, there was a great quote in this article that I would love to read and kind of start the conversation where Hannah Anderson says, anything less than the Great Commission will perpetuate a culture where women are marginalized for ministry for the simple reason that the core mission is not large enough to need them. I think that's a really convicting quote, just thinking about um, if the Great Commission is to be kind of our highest goal, which scripture says that it is, um, we kind of need all hands on deck for that. And as a woman, obviously, I can kind of find myself trying to figure out where are the best places that I can plug in into this and where is that women's ministry or is that, you know, kind of children's ministry, these places where women have tended to kind of stay so often in the church or are there other ways that I can use kind of the gifts and abilities I've been given to really um, just further the kingdom and share the gospel with my community and my church. Um, so it's, it's an interesting conversation to have, to think about um, where women kind of can fit and should fit and how we can kind of play a role there and what that looks like. Um, so yeah, what are your, some of your thoughts on that? How have you found you've been able to connect and find your place in your church community? Yeah, definitely. I think it's such an interesting conversation. And especially I think as, um, editors in a field where there are a lot of female voices in the mm-hmm. Christian field, like we have a little bit of another, another side of that too, that we yeah. think about. But I think another thing that Hannah said, which is so on point was that we educate people to the level that we think they're going to rise to mm. and the level mm. that we think that they should be at. And so if we are not seeing the, a woman, a woman's place in church as, um, a high of a calling as we see, a man's, if we don't see their role as, as essential, then we're going to disciple them and educate them to a, yeah. a lower level, which I thought was so on point. And that's what, ha- and so what happens, like what that looks like if people aren't drawing that connection is you start to get women's ministries and women's Bible studies where, um, they're not actually like studying like the Bible as a primary source. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to study like what Beth Moore has to say about <laughs> right. the Bible or what, um, you know, this other person has to say, Joyce Meyer, like someone else has to say about the Bible to the detriment of their own, yeah. um, theological education to the detriment of their own, like knowledge of scripture. Um, whereas, um, churches and ministries that have a high value of women and the mm-hmm. role and their role and calling would then, um, teach them to that high level. And so I really appreciated what Hannah had to say about that. And, you know, personally, I, I've been very lucky, very fortunate to be in a church right now where I feel like the women's, um, role in the church is um, seen very highly. Mm-hmm. I am leading a, a class in the fall on how to read the Bible, and I don't take that lightly. I don't yeah. take that job lightly. Like, that is a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm being supported and encouraged and mentored in that too. But um, they have been very open with, you know, letting me 
to to own that idea. I think mm-hmm. I was a lot more concerned about owning that idea than they were. Um, but just to feel that freedom to um, be able to teach something that I think is so important and whether it's, you know, just to women or whether it's to men and women, this mm-hmm. idea of being able to um, use a gifting that I have of teaching and then to be able to impart something that's really essential to other women too, especially, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I don't care who I'm teaching this to, but my heart was probably primarily toward other women because I've seen in my own life, in my mm-hmm. early Christian faith, where I was taught at a deficit. And so now I'm trying to make it up on the other yeah. end and be like, no, I don't want other women to not be taught how to read the Bible. I want them to be able to know scripture for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think this is hugely important as we move forward in a culture. And I brought up our role as editors because I feel like what we see as editors is women who feel like they don't have ministry inside the church Mm -hmm. that matches their spiritual giftings. And so they go outside of the church and they create their own ministry and their Mm -hmm. own platforms. And that's not wrong. It's just also... I think that to the church's deficit, yeah, yeah. it's a disservice Mm -hmm. to their own church communities. They could be benefiting from these voices and from these women who know scripture and can teach scripture, but they don't have a place there, so they're going outside of it. Mm -hmm. So how about you? What does that look like in your church and in your own life? Yeah, I, like you said, I really love being in a church where women are valued really highly and where we have a woman as a pastor and... Um, that's been controversial and I don't think mm-hmm. this is like the time or place to get into all of the, you know, specifics and the theological debate about mm-hmm. that. But I know as a woman, from my personal experience, it's been something that I have just absolutely loved and really, mm-hmm. um, found so meaningful just to see, not only for me, how I love seeing a woman on stage and preaching, like you said, straight from scripture and, um, She's an incredible teacher, and her Nicole Eunice is who I'm talking about, and she's written done lots of things with us, and we can share some of those examples too. But she is somebody that everybody in our church, I think, really respects highly and really um, just loves learning from and hearing from. And I think it's been really cool to see how the men in our church have kind of rallied around her, and then in turn how she then has created space for other women to kind of rise up. Um, and a place that's been especially meaningful to me was in planning a women's conference that our church has had for a couple years. And it's been a, planned and organized by a group of about 10 women. And most of them are um, older and married and have different, some of them are in ministry roles full time and some work from home. So they have more flexibility. And um, after the first year of the conference, I was kind of invited in to have a seat at that table. And it was a really kind of a super humbling thing and really an honor to be, you know, 20, early 20s and single and being asked to share um, my perspective and my kind of bring my talents to the table to help this event happen. And it was really cool just to see over time, just to be around those women and to learn so much from how they lived and how they loved each other and how they loved the women that were going to be coming to our event um, kind of in advance. And then as that weekend played out and how they just led so well and so Mm -hmm. grounded in scripture and just being able to hear um, just the things. Everyone kind of had their role to play, which was really cool. It was fun to see a whole table of women that had such specific callings and being able to have a place where they could use them Mm -hmm. to like the fullest extent of the glory of God and to hear all the stories that came after that event of all the different little things that mattered. And you could easily draw lines back to that woman was so touched by this thing at the conference. And it was because this woman on our team thought that through and made that Mm -hmm. happen. And um, it was just a really cool picture of how women are so essential to the gospel and how many lives and hearts were changed because 
they were able to see women on stage that were sharing something that related to them. And they were able to hear the Bible taught in a way that was relevant um, to them and as a woman and how specifically um, that was impacting their lives in that moment and that weekend. And for me, just to kind of be in that, be at that table, to be among those women, to learn so much from them and to be kind of shepherded by them. Um, was something that I don't think happens a lot in the rest of the world. And I find really beautiful about the church um, and really beautiful about women's ministry. And I have loved that um, being such a focus of our church, that our church as a whole, I mean, we have a quite a large campus and that this is a weekend that um, we got, they talk about different tiers of events at our church, right? And kind of what ranks and priority. And this is always one of the top ones. And it's so cool to see even, you know, the men among our staff really supporting that and rallying behind it. And all of them volunteering their time that weekend just to serve the women of our church was really cool. And I would love to kind of see more of that happen in the church, too, where on whatever level and whatever scale, just to see women um, being invited in to have spots at those tables and being offered, like you said, opportunities to kind of use your skills to do something that gives back to the community and um, just to call those things out and other people, like you were saying, like, I don't, I didn't feel as confident in it, but you know, they mm-hmm. felt much more okay about me teaching this class than I did. And if we could do more of that and seeing those gifts and other people and being able to say like, Hey, there's a space for you here. You know, the gospel needs you. The kingdom needs you. The Lord mm-hmm. needs your skills to help, um, bring his kingdom to earth. I think it would just be a really beautiful thing to see in the church. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you mentioned the conference, and I think that a lot of times for women, the one time of year that we get to hear from other women who are walking um, a few paces ahead of us and have some wisdom to share are at these kind of like conferences or retreats. Mm-hmm. And I agree whether or not you have um, a pastor that's a woman on your staff or you just have a ministry, a women's ministry leader who is leading on a regular basis. I think it's so crucial for churches to have um, women who know scripture well and can teach it yeah. well and to be able to come alongside of them and support them in those roles and in their mm-hmm. callings and their giftings so that they can then make disciples of the other women yeah. in the church church. Um, because if not, you know, I think what we get is really flowery, really surface level um, ministry toward women, which as we've talked about, is just, it's just not, it's not helpful. It's yeah, it's, it can, it's minorly insulting to almost everyone in the church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally agree with you that um, the more seriously both men and women, I think, take the role of women's Mm -hmm. ministry in the church, um, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, Rachel, I think for you and me, um, we're both probably more involved in our church than maybe a lot of women Mm -hmm. are. Um, What would you say to other women who are kind of on the peripheral? Like, have you done this in the past where you've been able to, like, pull people in and encourage them? Um, And if not, like, what, I guess, what would you say to those women who are maybe kind of standing on the outside and trying to figure out how they fit in? Yeah, I think a lot of it is really being able to, I think, first kind of know yourself and to know, mm-hmm. okay, this is what um, I might feel called to or what I might be even just interested in or, hey, I had this thought once that that could be fun to try. Um, and then I think the next step is being able to just kind of take that first step outward and to, um, I don't know, just to figure out the places where you can try to do some of those things in your church and to kind of have your eyes open to see the need mm-hmm. Um I think being willing to kind of take a little bit of a risk, I think it can be scary and intimidating to know where to start. And I know for my roommate, for example, is um, newer to Richmond, newer to the church that I've been going to for a while. And she kind of for a while just was happy to come on Sundays. And that was kind of it. And then it got to a point where she's like, I just want to do more. And what does that look like? And how do I do that? And um, 
we get to, there was an idea, you know, small groups were about to launch and that was kind of coming up and they were asking for leaders and there kind of was an easy opportunity to then kind of take a step forward. But it was intimidating to her to think about like, I don't want to know how to lead a small group or what does that look like? I don't have the skills. I don't know. Like, uh. I think a lot of women feel that way of like, am I really qual- like qualified to teach other people about this? Um, and so I kind of said like, well, let's do it together. And I have done that before. I really love it. I've been kind of trained in some of that small group leadership. So I know a little bit maybe, and maybe I'm, you know, a couple steps down the road in that. So I'll do it with you and let's join this together. And, um, it was a really cool opportunity for her to kind of get her feet wet in leading and being in a group like that. And it was a great group experience and it had an end date. There was eight weeks of it. So we kind of, you can find something where, you know, like, okay, even if I don't love it forever, I know that I have an opportunity then to exit gracefully and maybe try something else, but just to take that risk. Um, you know, what's the worst that really could happen if you tried to lead a small group and it didn't go great. Okay. That's fine. Maybe you met one new friend from that, or maybe you just, you tried and you were faithful to that kind of prompting that you felt. And that's a win in itself. So I think for other women, just to be able to see kind of those opportunities to try and to, maybe it is, you know, serving in the nursery, like we talked about, or maybe it's joining like the welcoming committee at your church, or maybe if it's even serving behind the scenes in some way that you just, you know, see a need on a Sunday morning and you just meet it because you want to be a servant in your church. Um, I really think just trying to have your eyes open to those places of connecting. And like we talked about with hospitality, just putting yourself out there um, and Mm -hmm. being open and available to, you know, maybe show up a few minutes early and look for somebody that's sitting down and maybe just go over and introduce yourself and say hi and start to make connections with other women in your community um, and see what happens from there. But I think it's just encouraging other people just to take that first step. And just, I know that if you're faithful to what the Lord is calling you to do, that he is so faithful to us. Um, and those things will not return void if we just mm-hmm. kind of are open to where the spirit is leading. What yeah. would you say? Yeah, definitely. I think there's often two different types of women and really men too. But um, for women, I think that there are some who are um, not really involved maybe at all in the church and they're kind mm-hmm. of just like totally out on the side. And maybe they're the type that is, is also kind of lonely, but also just doesn't know where to plug in. And for those women, I would say, um, if opportunity like opens up, like if someone emails you and says, Hey, we could really use help with like coffee mm-hmm. in the mornings, like on Sundays, like being willing to say yes to things, even if you're not sure like where your giftings are, yeah. um, to kind of do like little test runs with mm-hmm. some things in the church. Like you said, that things that have end dates that, you know, okay, I can commit to that for a season and just see if it leads to a yeah. great love for that. Like you never know what that is going to open up and what the spirit's going to do through you saying mm-hmm. yes to something. So I think just being willing to do that and to be consistent to showing up to things. Like if you are new to a church and trying to figure out where you could fit in with ministry and with community, then, um, you know, committing yourself. Okay, here is a group that meets every Tuesday morning for four months. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to this every week and, yeah. you know, force yourself into that a little bit because I think it takes that showing up time and time again bef- and, you know, you slowly build into um, community and to ministry. So I think that's one type of person. I think that there's another type that is involved in the church and does a lot but maybe just isn't sure if they're really hitting their ministry niche or they Mm -hmm. think, okay, I've been doing like Sunday school for little kids for a while, but what I really feel called to is like teaching this topic. Mm -hmm. And I think for that person, I would say, what is the next right step? So maybe that's like sending out an email to a ministry leader saying, I've got this like great love for this thing. Like what could I do to get involved? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, or what can I do to start this ministry? Maybe it's just getting a couple other like-minded people in a room together and just like dreaming about what you could do. Um, 
getting the ear of your senior pastor. I mean, I think that there are little first steps that we can do. We sometimes get so overwhelmed by the end picture of what this ministry could be like that we just don't even take a step. But thinking through those first steps, um, sending out that email, getting a coffee with someone who could help you um, make connections. Those are little things that we can do to get ministry started. Um, but yeah, I think that regardless of whether we are brand new to church or been in it for a while, mm-hmm. and this ties back to hospitality and to every other type of ministry and um, witnessing and reaching out that we do, the having the long game in mind mm-hmm. is good. It's never something that happens overnight. It's never something right. that happens for most people naturally. It's always stepping outside of ourselves mm-hmm. and getting a little uncomfortable. But I think when we do that, we see great reward from it. So makes it worth it in the end for sure. Definitely. All right, that brings us to our last segment of today's show, our Check This Out segment, where each of us brings something that we have loved or enjoyed this week that we absolutely want to recommend and share with all of our listeners. So Kelly, what is your Check This Out this week? Um, My check this out this week is an app, and I'm going to preference this app by saying that um, my husband and I have been married for seven years, and what we've... Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) What we've found in seven years of marriage is that um, the fights that we have are really about, like, three or four things, and we just fight about the same things over and over, Uh and they take, like, various forms depending on the circumstances, but generally can fall into one of a few categories, one of those being um, the upkeep of the home and chore lists. It is something that we just never seem to be able to get a handle on and to figure out and the delegation of who's going to do what and it seems to shift with I mean now that we have a son it's like we're all we're like grumbling again about who's doing what around Uh the house. Um, and to my husband's great credit, he is usually, like, really gracious and generous. Like, he, if I ask him to do something, it's usually, like, that's fine. I'll do it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I hate is just, like, the reminding and the, like, having to remember it all. Yeah. So all of that to say, in comes this app called Our Home. I love it. And I think you and your roommate could also benefit <laughs> okay. from this app. Okay. <laughs> really anyone could. So what you do with it is you just – it's, like, all these tasks. You can assign as many tasks as you want and it's just like clean master bathroom, like clean the kitchen, like okay. scrub the counters. And then you um, assign a reminder. So like when do you want it done? Nice. And then um, so deadline. And then um, once you do the chore, it's like, okay, well, remind me again in a week or remind me again in two weeks, like however nice. often you need it done. Okay. And then you like sync it up to your phones and it just takes all of the like nagging out. And so I love this. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's been a game <laughs> like, changer yeah, in our, absolutely. in our marriage. It's like no longer am I reminding him over sure, and over and over because <laughs> the app is the nag. I am not a nag. The app is a nag. Beautiful. It's wonderful. And if you have children, this is great because if they have smartphones, I mean, you can can get the whole family can okay. get chores and and if you're competitive there's point system so you can oh, even assign yes. points and then I would do anything for a point exactly for sure so um it's called our home it's really great it's changing my life and you is should it definitely, free also it's totally free yeah even better <laughs> it's even better Perfect. yeah so you should definitely check it out nice <laughs> how about you mine is actually you know slightly different tone mm-hmm. here sure um Nicole Nordeman is a Christian mm-hmm. artist and singer yeah. who I have loved her stuff for a long time um, and I saw a Facebook post from her recently that was, you know, kind of one of those long-form Facebook posts, which half the time I don't tend to read through. But this one was just 
um, honestly brought me to tears reading through just the meaning that she is talking about. She talks a lot about it being like a wild time to follow Jesus, but you know, we're all on a journey. Um, we're all different Mm -hmm. places on that journey. And she talks a lot about, um, just how it looks to, um, be at the table and pull up a chair for other people at the table and be at these different places on our journey, but creating space to just be open to learn from each other and to kind of see what's around us. And, um, she shares about the disciples on the road to Mm Emmaus. She shares about the disciples on the road to Emmaus and not realizing that they were walking side by side with Christ. And I think how often we forget kind of who we're walking alongside and that Christ also Mm -hmm. is with us in our journeys and, um, that post was the kind of prelude to a song that she released the next day called Dear Me. And this song is beautiful and, again, will probably bring you to tears. Um, she kind of writes this song in a letter to herself and kind of her old self and her, you know, who she is now and just all these things that you will learn about the world and about people and humanity and Christ and love and just kind of, it was one of those songs that is just so powerful and I think really timely and Um, convicting in a way that doesn't kind of, you know, bash you over your head, but really just is a beautiful and honest look of like, look at this journey and look at the growth that I, you know, dear me, like you have no idea. And um, it's a stunning song. The Facebook post that goes along with it can be found on Nicole Nordeman's Facebook page. And she links all of this there and we'll link it in the show notes too. It's one that I would highly recommend just taking a few minutes to kind of quiet yourself and listen to the, really listen to the words of the song and um, just be moved by it like I was. That's great. I'll definitely check that out. All right, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, Rachel, for joining me for this Girls Only podcast. I thought it went really well, but we'll have Steve and Sean back with us for the next episode. Huge thank you to Steven Sanders, our audio engineer, um, and a big thank you to Kristen Schell for her interview with me. And again, her book is called The Turquoise Table. It is out now, and you should definitely check it out. Um, If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash crosswalkpodcast. And to find more on the topics we talked about today or to listen to past episodes, be sure to visit our site, insidetheeditorsroom.com. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to get our latest episodes downloaded right to your phone. Thanks for listening.